Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Update podcast, and uh, we've uh, got a new twist here this week, and uh, I believe uh, last episode we really focused in on uh, weed management uh, tips and tricks, and uh, uh, this week we're going to go into of our, our digital uh, side of the business, and we've invited our uh, climate uh, field view uh, business manager, uh, Josh Merriman. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Brent. Really excited to be here and talk about some of the digital services that climate can provide out in the field this time of year. Yeah, and well, I think you, I think you're hitting it right out, uh, right out there where we need to go here, right out of the gate is really. You know, I you know I hope our listeners got their crop in the ground now. Finally, it's been a long, a long battle through most of May, and depending upon, depending upon where we're at in the state, Josh, you know, we've got corn, you know, that's that's probably knee high in, in some parts of the state, and we've got corn that's that's probably just spiking uh, and coming out of the ground in, in other parts of the state. But really, with with climate field view. You know, we just want to get into some of those tips and tricks around, you know, you know, what are the high value pieces that we could be focusing in on right now uh, with climate uh, on the mobility right out in the field? Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's a great point to make there, Brent, of just kind of the variability that we've spring seen this spring already out of the gate and what can climate do to help with some of that. So, first of all, I like to think of, you know, for every farmer that's on field view, whether or not you're in the plus pro or just the free services, you can get rainfall reports field by field. And especially in a spring where we've seen some rainfall in places and not in others um, to get those summary places right there on your phone is always great to see it when we're looking at spraying and making decisions for that next day. Hey, where caught that or what field caught that into rain? What didn't so that I can know if I can go take that sprayer out there. And then really, hey, I'm seeing a problem with a product out in this field. That ability to have those planting maps right at your fingertips so that when you pull up to that field, you know what hybrid you're looking at. You can talk with and have that two-way conversation with your agronomist. If you're needing to make any sort of replant decisions, you know what you're looking at a lot of those times. Yeah, and and you kind of touched on having that planting map uh, at your fingertips uh, as you're in the field, but there's also – you know, there's a lot more layers there beyond beyond just a planting map, though, too, right? Correct. So not only do we have your planting map, if you're doing any variable rate, you also have your population map. And then another great part of any of the plus offering services is that you're also getting field health imagery. So let's say you're in one of those parts of the state. I always feel bad for my northern brethren. Uh, I cover a lot of the southern part of the state. But you're in one of those places where there's a lot of ponding this spring. You were able to get the crop in. But now you're trying to see, hey, what does the stand look like? What does it look like on 160 acres where I can't see everything just from the road there? It really gives you that ability with the satellite imagery to say, hey, where's your hot spots where the vegetation's a little bit low? So all those maps are right at your fingertips while you're out in the field there. So, so Josh, what you're telling me is that the, the field health imagery can give me a – a starting point of where where I should if I get a day where I can go scout my crop you know those imageries are going to help me prioritize where I should be heading that day exactly you you hit it right on the head there Brent Um, you know we all we all have limited hours in our day we all want to make the most use of our time and when you start looking at some of those field health imageries 
you know your fields, you know your crop. It's going to highlight places where things maybe are a little misaligned, right? That your uh, that your vegetation isn't where you would expect it to be uniformly across that field, so that you can start in those pinpointed areas there of trying to diagnose if there's some actions that you need to take, whether that's disease, pest, replant decisions. Yeah, and so with those imagery maps, Josh, can you can you give us a little uh, a little deeper dive or a little differences between the scouting and, and vegetative maps there of really what we're seeing? Sure, sure. So um, so what we have for our imagery maps is you should be getting them on your account every five to ten days. Obviously, cloud cover can uh, have a little bit of an effect on, on when that comes. We have them both at five meter and seven and a half meter resolution, which are really kind of ideal for seeing that big picture out in the field. And what you're really seeing, so so we've got two different parts of the imagery. One would be what we call our vegetation map. You can compare that across all the fields. It's going to progress through the season from a light part of the scale to a darker part of the scale as more, or as more vegetation occurs, and then it'll start coming off in the fall as that crop matures. And that's comparable across any of your operation, any of the fields you have. The other side of what we have is what we call our scouting map. So our scouting map is, hey, let's look at the contrast everywhere just within this field and see how different some parts of the field are versus the others. So I like the scouting map if I'm just trying to decide on a single field that day, hey, where do I need to go? What's looking different on it? Um, and do I need to pinpoint a point of the field that I want to really go scout in? Vegetation is just kind of my progress across all of my operation of what things are looking like there. Yeah, so I think those are those are key points. I think both, I think both maps bring uh, a good deal of information and, and focus into our, our scouting, but they also need to make sure we know what we're looking at on, on both maps. So, yep. So, Hey, Josh, so we, um, you know, there, you know, there's a lot of our customers and listeners that, that probably do a fair amount uh, of research on their own. Uh, and whether that's a, a split planner trial or uh, an application or seed treatment or something in, in their operation that they are, are trying to get a better grip on, uh, uh, whether it's return on investment or what does it do for their crop, what, give us some tips on how they can track uh, how, how these re, little research trials or split planners or you know, whatever research they're doing in their own operation, what's the best way to be able to track a lot of the, the, the day-to-day scouting or information or just images or, or what they're seeing in the field? How do we track that through Climate Field View? Yeah, that's a great question, Brent. Um, so let, let's start uh, on some of the simplest trials that we've um, all been running since kind of the beginning of farming. You know, the, the trial I always think of is that split planter, right? We've got hybrid A, and the uh, right 12 rows, we've got hybrid B in the left 12 rows. And we want to see a report at the end of the year of how those two did head-to-head, understand, you know, bringing in harvest moisture and yield uh, of which was more valuable to my operation. So that we make that really easy. You do it right through the field view cab app. You can set up which hybrids are in which rows. And instead of that old, hey, having to download the data card, maybe even having to convert that data to put it back into your combine monitor to variety track it in the fall. It's all just there. So it's all just on your, it's on your cab app. It's on your phone. 
You can know exactly where it is. You can go out there and you can scout the different hybrids. When we look at something like seed treatment, we let you set it up the exact same way. So something that's unique to the CAB app um, that hasn't been there for a lot of other different planter monitors over the year is that we give you the ability of breaking seed treatment out as another layer. So maybe you're taking that favorite hybrid you have of yours and you want to test a new product like Nema Strike on it. You can do that same 12 and 12 rows, see whether or not that's providing a return on investment for your farm without really distinguishing and having to make some weird, ugly hybrid name that, that is really just, a, really just a different way of distinguishing what plot you already have going on there. When we look at things like applications, so let's say you're going to um, go out and test. I've got several guys this year that are doing that B6 fungicide loaded in with uh, their late post-herbicide that they went out and sprayed. Hey, this is your opportunity there through the CAB app. You can make that application. You can add that fungicide layer into there, and you can know exactly where you were wanting to test it. So if you just did it for one load of the field, let's say you did it for all the field and you left a 10-acre test strip, you would be able to look at the end of the season there using field region reports. And that's just our simple way where you can circle any part of your field and get a report on it to understand what that return on investment was for some of those plots that are going on out there. Hey, and so when you, when you say field region reports, you're saying we can, we can self-identify any, any environment or sub-region within a boundary that we want to define better. Correct. So let's say... Um, you know, we're a little early in the season on this, but let's say we get to August and we start seeing where some of that SDS pressure comes through. We, we, can, we can go out there and walk, you know, the five acres that it's coming up on, or you can see it in the satellite imagery, and you can circle that field region and already have it named so that when that combine rolls through, you're ready to get a report exactly just on that part of the field, broken down by hybrid, by population, by soil type so that you can see any interactions that would be going on there that might be confounding your data or have a little bit more explanation of what's going on for you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's key. I think those are good points to be able to, you know, if we identify some of these regions early to, to make sure we save that region and, and we can better understand it as, as that data comes in real time. Correct. Yep. Yep. And and what I really like is just how easily it puts that whole picture together. You know, if we're out scouting this spring and we see that little bit of a wet hole that we've got going on there, hey, maybe it needed to be tiled the last couple of years. And we've always just thought, you know, it's 20 bushels off the pace for corn. Well, let's circle that this year. Let's, uh, let's put some analytics around it of comparing that region of exactly where it's at and be ready to compare it at harvest so that if we do need to make a capital investment in tile, that we're ready to go there and pull the trigger and know what the return is and how long it'll take to return it. So give us, uh, give us a tip maybe to around if you're watching something in your field and you've got a spot identified that you, 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 something's going on, you don't know quite what's going on there, but you want to come back to that same spot again. How, how do you, how do you mark that spot and make sure that you get back to see this again? So um, the neat part about FieldView is that any piece of digital tools that you have, you can connect and that you're going to be able to drop what we call scouting pins there. And so when I talk about your digital tools, I'm talking about an iPad, an iPhone, or for those of you out there using Android phones, we don't discriminate there either, that you can pull up your fields there and be able to drop a pin. So all you do is you go into the app, 
you pull up the field that you're um, wanting to scout right then. And when you have that field open, you can open up any layer that you want to have active there. You can drop a pin either while you're out in the field or when you get back home. And that pin is shareable. So what's the neat part is, is we see a lot of people where they'll be sharing these pins back and forth with their agronomist. Hey, come take a look at this. That agronomist can go to that exact same spot. They can be looking at the same thing. Um, you know, Brent, you and I both, we have a background in agronomy. I, I can't count the number of times that somebody sent me a picture of a random bug or a random disease on a plant. It was kind of grainy. You didn't quite know where it was taken from a field. You'd show up to that field. You couldn't find the same thing that they were looking at, right? And it was really frustrating because you wanted to relate with them. You wanted to help solve their problem. And, and, and you just, you didn't know where to go. And, and it'd take a whole bunch of time to hunt it down. Well, scouting pins, both for yourself, like your original question there, can get you back to that exact same spot again, and it can do it with any of your trusted advisors that you're working with. And, and you can also probably make comments with that pin that'll, that you'll be able to remember and track throughout the season as well. Yeah, and the, and the cool part too, you know, so not only can you make notes about, hey, what did we see here? We'll let you attach as many photos to the pin as you want so that you can remember there, you don't have to sift back through your camera deck on your phone. You can attach that photo exactly to that spot and that pin's gonna transfer. So if you think as the field view cab app as your combine monitor that fall, that same pin can come up and you can see the photos. If we were seeing an early season disease, now we can remember that when we were out in the combine cab and it can really make it so that we can use that to drive our decisions for the next year. Yeah, it's really, really helping us store a lot of the, not just, you know, our planner combine harvest data in multiple layers, but you're also intuitions and opinions uh, even in the field as well. So, yep. So, Josh, I want to transition here and, and probably move into a piece here. We're, uh, we're going to take a few minutes here at the end of the podcast and we're going to talk to uh, Brad Sherwin, our agronomist in Northwest Iowa, about nitrogen loss. And, and if you think about that in terms of uh, how climate, uh, you know, the climate field view, <clears throat> you know, platform can help us, you know, model that nitrogen. And, and if you relate that back to, you know, geez, just the last six weeks that we've been through or even two months, you know, cool, cool, wet conditions to, you know, late, late applied fertility to now uh, heat, heat and moisture in certain areas, heat definitely, moisture in some areas, non-moisture in other areas, you know, what, you know, how should we be utilizing this, the nitrogen model within FieldView uh, to help us better make some of these high yield or even just ROI decisions in season? Yeah, um, I think that's just a great point that you segued into there, Brent, is just, when I, when I think of nitrogen, where I first start out is we, we think of our base program every year, right? We've got a yield target. We're, we're either split applying where we do a little anhydrous up front, maybe a little something in season, maybe something with the weed and feed. But we're hoping that we're going to have sufficient nitrogen there to get to the end. And a lot of times we'll put on a little extra to make sure that we get there. Well, so what our nitrogen model allows you to do is it takes in all those variables that you were talking about. Hey, I was... I was cold and wet early, right? We had one of the coldest Aprils on record. Now I turned super hot in May. You know, no year is exactly the same. However, we've got good data about what soil temperatures 
and what lodge or waterlogged fields, how those can affect how nitrogen moves through the profile, how quickly can that have that nitrogen converting out into that field into a way where it would be leachable or have denitrification. And, and we have that ability to make a smarter decision of how, where we should be investing our nitrogen, what fields need it versus what don't. Um, I look at just a couple of years back and I would get a question a lot of times, especially after we had had a little bit of a wet spring from guys of, hey, should I be out here side dressing? Should I be side dressing? What do, what do I do? And it, it always kind of just seemed like a yes, no decision, right? Do I go put 60 pounds on just to help it get to the finish line there? Because if I'm going to be running 32% there, that's probably about where I'm going to do minimum um, to make it worth my time. Or do I not? And, and we're much more precise than that today. So not only can we go on a field by field level and look at what the weather was and the soil types and the yield goal for each field, and use that in the model to say, hey, yes or no, should we even be looking at this field? But we actually go subfield now. So now we can look at the different yield goals for different parts of that field. If you're using a variable rate script, you can have that translate exactly into there for each different zone in that field so that you can really make an educated, scientific, best decision for you out in the field. You know, it's a model, so it's not always going to be perfect on that side but I think it's going to be a much scientifically more sound decision that you're making there as far as making your investment on fertility. Yeah, I, Josh, I think you, you hit a good point there just about, just about it being a model and, and not being perfect for every, every, every environment or every situation. But, you know, I think you and I, like you said, we've got an agronomy research background uh, anybody that's done nitrogen research in the past will, I mean, this, this topic will drive a guy nuts, right? I mean, it is one of the, the most important variables in a corn crop, but also one of the most important variables. It's also very hard to pinpoint and define the perfect timing and perfect kind of fertilizer and, and, and where are we really at in the profile. Uh, so with that being said, you know, what, you know, if a guy wants to go out and try and, and uh, try a couple fields with the with the, the nitrogen tool, you know, what what's the bare minimum of information that he needs to get into the system? And, and how would he go about trying a couple fields, uh, he or she trying a couple fields in, in field view to, to look at their their nitrogen model and, and see if they need any in-season decisions based on the model? Yep. No, that's a that's a great question, Brent. Um, so. What our model runs on is a little bit of the history of the field and then what are your practices this year. So um, the first place that we do is we look at your different soil types of the field, what's your organic matter, your CEC, your pH that's on that field. Now, what we do want to do is make sure that if, hey, if it's different than what the web soil survey says, you can go up there and manually update it. Otherwise, we also have the ability that if you have any grid samples for your fields, you can import those through our what we call our data inbox. And that'll update it to give you an even more accurate re representation of what's going on in your soil out there. The next we look at, hey, what's your tillage practices? What's your previous crop? You know, are you no-till? Are you conventional? We know that soil interacts different ways. and The nitrogen cycle is affected by some of those practices. Did you have soybeans on it or are we going corn on corn? So that's the next part of the model that we bring in there. The third part is what's your planning data? 
So if you're using a drive, if you're if you're collecting your planning data where you've uploaded it, we can use that from the system already in there. But what we need is to have you define that yield goal, right? So if, the, if I've got a yield goal of 240, that's going to require different nitrogen needs than a yield goal of 200. And then finally, what you just need to add into the system is, hey, here's what I've applied for nitrogen so far. Here's what I'm planning on applying. You know, if I've got a 50-pound side dress as part of my standard program, and you can look, then the model's going to tell you, well, we think you're going to be coming up zero pounds short or 10 pounds short, or you've got a 10 pound surplus. And that's going to update daily. You know, every time we see different weather, every time we've seen different previous weather that's already occurred for you, we're going to update it. Now, you generally don't see huge swings throughout the year. You know, if you if you came at the beginning of the year and you were 10 pounds surplus, it'd be very rare that you would go to a 30 pound deficit. But you might swing 10, 15, 20, 25 pounds um, throughout the year that you can see on that model. If a guy does want to get started and try a couple fields out, all he needs to do is go to climate.com, log into his account, get that information loaded up on those fields. Um, there's the purchase now button up in the corner, and that's going to allow him to select just specific fields he wants. So if I've just got, let's say I've got two eighties that I want to try. Um, so it's 160 acres, $3 an acre on the nitrogen side. And so you're going to be able to do all of that. Let's do my quick mental math. I believe that's 480 bucks if I'm calculating it right now. Close enough. Close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think I think those are this is a good timing, especially for those those side dress customers, uh, those those guys that use that in their operation. The more I mean like I said before, nitrogen research will make a guy go crazy. But one of the common themes that we do see is multiple timings of nitrogen are are probably the best return on investment when it comes to the nitrogen piece. So this this model fits right into those in-season decisions on not only ROI, but also high yield management and also, you know, just making sure we're trying to do the best, you know, our best stewards uh, of that water quality and what have you as we move through the season. So, correct. Yep. I think I think you made some great points there, Brent. Is that you know when we when we look at split application, we we've seen a lot of return over the years. Now you and I have both worked down in Southwest Iowa, and we've seen some of the goat hills that we plant on sometimes. So there there are some times where you have to be a little unique if you're going to be doing split applications, but. I've got a lot of guys that um, find ways of getting that nitrogen on, whether it's through flying on urea or different ways of just trying to get a ground application still out there. So right. I think there's options out there for guys. We just need to be thinking every year, you know, how do I do nitrogen a little bit better as a full system for me on my operation? Yeah, that's, that's a good point and, and probably a good point to end on, Josh. So, uh, you know, thanks a lot for coming on today and, and giving us a few uh, uh, tips and tricks here with, with Climate Field View. And I'll give you a chance here to maybe a little self-promotion here. Josh is, uh, does a lot of how-to videos. So if you're ever stuck on what to do next or how to get to the next level within, within the app, uh, Josh, where do, they, where do they go and find all your, your uh, specialized videos? Yep. So if you ever have a little problem where you're running into, let's say it's just your first time in the cab app or something and you're wanting to load up a piece of equipment, um, I've made a bunch of walkthroughs where you can just follow along on your on your phone of what you need to be clicking on the iPad and we tell you where to go. Those can be found if you just go to YouTube.com. Just search my name, Josh Merriman, M-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N. 
and uh, they'll pull right up there. I've got about 350 viewers, so uh, feel free to use them wherever you can. Um, I think it, it's really helpful. That's how I learned how to fix the toilet, so it's how other people can learn how to do field view. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, Josh. If, anybody, if you can fix a toilet, anybody can figure out climate field view, right? <laughs> that's right. So, okay. No, I appreciate you having me on here today, Brett. Yeah, thanks, Josh. And, and uh, like I said, we're, we're stay tuned. We're going to transition next into Brad Sherwin uh, and, and some of the bits and pieces around the importance of, of nitrogen and nitrogen loss. So stay tuned for, for Brad's segment, and we uh, hope to hear you back again in the next segment. Thanks a lot. Good morning. This is Brad Sherwin, technical agronomist with DeKalb Asgro. In today's agronomic spotlight, we're going to talk about nitrogen losses in flooded and leached cornfields. With the heavy rainfalls and ponded soils that we've had recently, this will result in nitrogen loss. The quantity of nitrogen loss is difficult to predict and depends on many factors, including soil type, fertilizer type, placement and timing, soil temperatures since application, and the amount of rainfall received. For every inch of moisture that percolates downward through the soil profile, nitrate nitrogen will move about 4 to 8 inches deep depending on soil texture and subsoil compaction layers. Fields that have received more than 8 inches of rain have likely lost significant amounts of nitrogen below the root zone. When soils are completely saturated with water, the dominant nitrogen loss pathway turns into denitrification, which is the conversion of nitrate to nitrogen gases as soil microorganisms use the oxygen and nitrate to survive. This nitrogen loss will account for about 10 to 15% of the nitrogen loss per day as long as the saturated conditions exist. Nitrification begins almost immediately after application with urea and 28%, but it is delayed at least 10 to 14 days with anhydrous ammonia because anhydrous ammonia kills the soil bacteria in the injection zone. So temperature has a large influence on nitrification with about two weeks required for complete conversion at 60 degrees Fahrenheit and one week needed at 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Denitrification losses take place at a much slower plate rate than nitrate leaching. Average nitrogen loss is usually around 2% of the nitrate per day of saturation, but has been shown to be as high as 5% per day. The longer the soil remains saturated and the higher the temperature, the more nitrogen is lost via denitrification. In those situations, may consider adding 60 to 120 pounds of nitrogen per acre for fields where urea or 28% UAN was applied more than two weeks prior or anhydrous ammonia applied more than four weeks prior to excessive rains, especially if silt loam and poorly drained field areas were saturated long enough to kill the crop and the areas were replanted to corn, or you had sandy fields that received more than six to eight inches of rainfall that infiltrated the soil. You may also consider adding 30 to 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre for fields where urea or 28% UAN was applied one to two weeks prior or anhydrous ammonia was applied three to four weeks prior to excessive rain, especially if the silt loam field areas were saturated for more than three days and the crop survived or poorly drained field areas were ponded for more than three days and the crop survived or you have sandy fields that received four to eight inches of rainfall that infiltrated the soil. If you have any additional questions, feel free to contact your local DeKalb Asgro dealer. Or you can contact me, Brad Sherwin, Technical Agronomist, DeKalb Asgro at 319-830-6643.